everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today, I'm joined by Brett Larson, the CEO at eVisit. Brett, how are you today? Doing good, Jared. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to, uh, to chat with you here today. I've uh, been a fan of the company for a while and then was able to connect with uh, someone on your team and the opportunity came up for you to come on. I'm like, let's, let's get him on here. This will be, this will be great. So uh, I was always a fan of your name, by the way, like that was like what initially drew me into your company. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a really good name, a good like branding structure. And your name was just so easy and made sense for what you're doing. Right. It wasn't like uh, elephant health or anything like that. Like you're actually, <laughs> it, it actually makes sense. So it, it definitely helps when you can, when you can have the, the, the name be the category, uh, it's always helpful. So absolutely. Well, I'm excited to have you on. I'd really appreciate it if you could tell the audience a little bit about yourself and then we'll dive more into eVisit. Absolutely. And, and really excited to be on. I, I've been a listener for a while. And so when the opportunity came on this end, it was something that I was excited to jump in on. Uh, so my background educationally is in accounting and marketing. Uh, I've, I've always had more of, the, of an entrepreneurial um, desire, I should say. Uh, and um, so started started and sold my first company during my undergraduate program at ASU, and then uh, knew I wanted to do it again, but had had narrowed it down to uh, a focus of really what what it was. Uh, and it's funny, there were two industries I said that I wouldn't do it in. Um, the first was education, and the second was healthcare. And so, of course, the first opportunity I took coming out of school, I knew it was going to be software, was with a, with a, a, a tech enabled services provider called Stat Doctors that was in the healthcare space, um, a competitor to Teladoc at the time. Uh, and that's, that's really where the genesis of, of Eva's have started was, was running it, uh, a member benefit offering and realizing that if, um, if we were successful, it was going to do something fundamentally, I believe dangerous to healthcare and to patient outcomes and that health systems and healthcare was going to need a solution to help, compete with an evolving landscape on the services side. Thank you for sharing, uh, Brett, and really cool to hear about, you know, the early success, even in, in undergraduate, and then how that kind of blossomed into, uh, into this company, uh, and being, you know, building what you're building here. Can you can you tell us, we'd like to focus on three things on this episode, whenever we have someone on for the first time, and you kind of already told us a little bit, because usually, the fact that you're you're working on this is usually the why is always tied to it, right? Or you wouldn't be. But can you talk us through in any order that you want the why, how, what of eVisit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, if you talk to to Miles Romney or myself, the founders of the company, I think one well, there's pretty there's a we see things very similarly, but we also come at it from a different perspective. And one of the things that one of the one of the perspectives that we share is that we believe the availability and access to qualified care is one of probably the two biggest problems in the world. Um, the quality of care one receives shouldn't be dependent on where you live or your socioeconomic status, or, but unfortunately today it is. And so when we started eVisit, it was with a vision to simplify healthcare delivery to everyone everywhere. When you look at healthcare in general, I think there are really two directions you can come at it from. There's, there's an access and there's a delivery side. And as you look at kind of why we focused on the delivery side, I'm a big believer that um, 
that the brands that I really enjoy interacting with are ones that provide their service providers excellent experiences who in turn provide their customers excellent experiences. And so I think about, you know, Delta, Apple, Nordstrom, you know, more consumer facing brands, the service you get is really pleasant. And I, and I assume that the culture and the tools those service providers have is superior, right? And so as we looked at it, we said, what, what's the best way to address this problem of the availability and access to healthcare? How do we give health systems and providers better tools to, to address the issues they're having and tools they actually want to use? If you were, and I, I, this isn't said to, to offend anyone, but if you were, if, if you look at the electronic health record, the only reason those providers have a business is because the people who use the product, um, people who buy the product rather, don't have to use it. And if they did have to use it, they wouldn't buy it. Um, and it really goes down to the core of, of how we're doing this, you know, um, but, and I'll get to that in a minute, but, but it, we took the approach of how do we create excellent experiences for the users of our software and excellent experiences for the buyer of the software and the administrators on the health system side to help improve the experience of delivering care. And so, you know, how we do that is as we've approached the market, we've really focused on, on three main things that I think really set us apart. Uh, the first is the business model itself is non-competitive. Uh, we don't employ physicians. If you look at the competitive landscape, the Teledocs, the American Wells, the MD Lives of the world, the, the doctor on demands, those are actually inherently competitive to one of their customers, the health system. Because when you're going to the demand source payers and you're saying, hey, we're going to help increase access and therefore reduce risk because your, your, your members aren't going to have to wait you know, 23 days to get access for primary care issues. Um, it's taking business away from the health system. And I, I believe the best quality of care happens between a doctor and a patient that have a relationship. So you're actually increasing risk. And, and so by us coming into the market and saying, hey, we're not going to have a, a provider network. We're going to enable your provider network health system. Um, it's, it, that's, one of, that's one of the hows that we're approaching it. The second is the platform that we've built to enable those health systems is highly configurable. Um, today, the platform serves about 60 different specialties. And so from, from you know, workflows in primary care and urgent care and direct to consumer to on, oncology workflows, workflows around um, orthopedic and more acute items, uh, we're helping health systems drive massive, massive uh, experiential change, but also we can configure the product to meet the needs of, of um, specialties in ambulatory or around acute. And then the third is, is really the user interface. So we've always taken the approach and you'll hear, you'll hear Miles Romney say this, you know, we've designed the product to feel at home on an iPhone between Facebook and Fortnite. And uh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be just as usable by my, my, you know, 69 year old mother as my nine year old son, because at the end of the day, all of us are consuming something. We're all consumers and we choose, we choose to consume things. We choose the experiences that we have based on those experiences. And so we've taken a really hard line and saying, you know, we, how, we frequently ask ourselves the question when we're designing the product, how do we reduce the number of clicks that it takes to complete the given action that we're focused on? And then to the what, even as it, you know, as you look back um, in 2021, uh, even as it is the leading platform 
for enterprise-wide virtual care solutions as, as positioned by Forrester in their, in their virtual care wave. Uh, and I think the three, the three things previous to that is why. But what that means is, you know, we've, we've created this platform that enables, it's white labeled for the health system. Most patients will never know they're using eVisit. They'll believe they're using Banner Health's virtual care platform or Texas Health's virtual care platform, or, you know, these large health systems, it's, it's theirs. It's branded as theirs. But the platform helps to facilitate and create and craft an experience during intake, you know, collecting the same information that you'd give in the forms you fill out when you walk into a health system, collecting your insurance information, running the insurance and bringing back the, the, uh, your, your co-pays and other, you know, have you met your deductible, et cetera, collecting a credit card so we can, we can, um, we can collect the copay on behalf of the health system and, and remit that to them. And then ultimately navigating them to a provider, um, in within that health system who can deliver the highest quality care uh, that, that the patient can get, frankly. And when you and I were, were talking before we started recording, we were, we were talking about a couple uh, key areas we wanted to kind of circle back to on this conversation today. And you had a hot take that uh, some people might agree with you and some people might be, hmm, but it actually made sense when you were explaining it to me. And you're not saying it like in a negative way or anything too. I want to make that clear. But your basically hot take was saying that pandemic didn't accelerate telemedicine, but rather it accelerated the consumerization of care. Can you explain kind of what that what that means in, in your mind? Absolutely. So when the pandemic hit, you know, this is March of 2020, um, you know, Eva's that we had we had 20, uh, 30, 30 team members in January of that year and the pandemic hits. And, and the, commu the communication across the industry was this, this has fundamentally shifted. Every year for the last two decades, we've been saying, this is the year. This is the year for telemedicine. This is the year it gets adopted. And, and if you go talk to health system executives, telehealth was on their five-year strategy plan. And so when the pandemic hit, the noise and, and, and the, it, it was, this is it. Uh, this, will, this will change telemedicine for forever. And I, I want, as the, <laughs> as the CEO of a virtual care platform company. I want to believe that. I wanted to believe that. But I, at the end of the day, I don't think it did. I don't think the pandemic accelerated telemedicine. I think it increased the adoption of telemedicine. Uh, I think what it accelerated was the consumerization of care because when things get back to normal, whatever that new normal is, administrators who are directing patient traffic are going to continue to direct that traffic back to the same place they always have because it's muscle memory. It, it may not be the best business decision. It may not be the best care decision. It, it, you know, it, it may be the best business decision. It may be the best care decision. But at the end of the day, um, that's what's going to happen. And so as you look at what, what it forced us as consumers to do, we became consumers of care rather than patients because we had to look for different options. I, I, couldn't, I could no longer walk into a physical facility when I didn't feel well. I had to find care. And that may have been finding for the health systems that were prepared and ready, that may have been finding care like, like a banner health uh, in a virtual setting because they had, they had e-visit stood up and they were, they were leveraging it. They saw massive, massive adoption there for a health system that didn't, it may have been the adoption of a subpar healthcare experience like a zoom or a teams. Um, and they're feeling specific pain points around that today. Uh, but it may have been a, a teledoc visit or an Amwell visit through your plan. It may have been a one medical visit. But you had to find something else. And, and, in, and in that exploration, 
we started to gain different experiences and they may have been better experiences. When I talk about the consumerization of care, it's about having choice. It's about having convenience. It's about the experience. And so those experiences we have um, really crafted the way we're looking at it going forward. And I think it, it's, and so when I say the pandemic didn't accelerate telemedicine, it accelerated the consumerization of care. It accelerated us as consumers, frankly, being sick of treated like patients. And, and so as we look at that, the, I think the key question that healthcare needs to ask themselves is, how do I craft better consumer experiences to, to be competitive in the acceleration of that reality? And I know you kind of already talked more about this, but I want to give you also the opportunity to, you know, if you if you have anything else to add, because I think you kind of tied this in um, with, uh, with with that question, right? Was basically the competitive landscape. If there's anyone else that you want to mention in that, you know, feel free to do that now. Um, but it seemed to me like you kind of when you're answering that, which is great because that was going to be my next thing, uh, was to talk more about that. Um, but again, totally up to you. Yeah, I think what we saw with the pandemic was the the competitive landscape evolved. And so, you know, it, it went from, at least in the enterprise health space, enterprise health systems, it was, you know, Teladoc's platform offering, uh, Amwell's platform offering, MD Live's platform offering, eVisit as a platform uh, and, and a non-competitive solution. But what also got introduced was... Um, two-way video solutions. Uh, and I think one of the things that CIOs have recognized is there's a big difference between uh, virtual care and two-way video. Um, the other thing, you know, some of the EHRs rushed to put uh, two-way video in place. So you see Epic plus Twilio is essentially a two-way video solution. And there are specific pain points that, are, that have been introduced because of that. You know, if you're, if you're working with a a platform on the services side, like a Teladoc, Amwell, MB Live platform, um, what you're looking at is, is, you know, basically introducing your competitor into your business. They're not, I'll be clear, they're not stealing patients out of your platform, but they are marketing to your patients through their payer relationships. And so there's, there's, a, there's a meaningful competitive element there. When you look at two-way video, you know, that, that's paramount to a doctor setting up <laughs> a lemonade stand or a healthcare stand in the park and just hanging a shingle and saying, Hey, come see me at the park. Um, nothing about what needs to come around the patient exists in that setting. And so you end up adding complexity to the patient and the provider experience by introducing a pure two way video solution, like a, a teams or a zoom or a doxy or a doximity versus, um, simplifying it and streamlining it by our estimates. As we've, as we've analyzed those workflows, you end up adding um, two to three more people into the into that delivery experience. IT, tech, um, billing, scheduling. Like there's there's just there's a there's a lot more people involved, and uh, you end up adding additional steps that that create a, a subpar experience for the patient and the provider, frankly, versus providing a a all in one solution that can help navigate the patient through the intake process to the point of care where the physician can then do what they do best, which is deliver care. Um, and then, I mean, I'll say it again. The only reason EHRs have a business is because the people who use it don't, who buy it don't have to use it. And, and so you can just add another feature to that. And, but, but if you look at the adoption rates of like Epic's my chart, it's the best, the best health systems in the country brag about a 13% adoption rate. 
that that's not that's not virtual care. That's again to a video, and you can't force consumers to adopt a subpar product. So I think as you look at the competitive landscape, you know where even that today is a virtual care platform. Where we're headed is a care delivery platform, helping health systems as their own brand. Again, consumers will never know they're using Eva's. Helping health systems craft excellent consumer experiences of how they navigate to the most appropriate point of care, both for the the health system business and for the and for the healthcare outcomes, based on the issues they're experiencing. So, if I have a sinus infection and it's clear that I have a sinus infection, I may be given the option as a consumer to either have a chat based interaction, which is going which is going to be faster for the business of healthcare. But just as effective for the outcome of healthcare, I may be in, have the option to have a video visit via the right virtual care platform, or I may be I may be given the option to go into a physical setting, and I can choose any one of those as a patient. I can craft my own experience based on the options in front of me. If it's a sinus infection that not so clearly is and could be something more serious like meningitis, I may not have the option to do chat or or be in a virtual exam room. I may be directed directly to the physical setting. Um, you know, so it's, it's how do patients get to care? How is care delivered? And what does the experience look like on the back end to make sure that they, they're adhering to the care path, to the care plan and being brought back to the point of care when and where appropriate. Uh, and that kind of also, this is perfect because this tied into my last question. We'll, we'll quickly wrap up here in like the next minute. Uh, was just regarding your latest funding, kind of what's next for the company. So I think you kind of you kind of were able to cover that, which is perfect. Um, and uh, I, I really just want to, you know, congrats on the funding that that happened last fall, by the way, and what that's been able to do for your company moving forward. But I want to thank you, Brett, for for joining me on the podcast here today. I hope we can have you come on uh, either this show again or one of our other shows. We have a, a couple different ones, and uh, wish you all the best of luck. Thanks, thanks for being a guest. Thanks so much, Jared. Appreciate it.